0: Hello, and you're very welcome to the AA Ireland podcast. I'm Anna Cullen.
1: And I'm Paddy Cummins.
0: So now that we can travel abroad again, many of us might be confused as to where to go, how to get there, and of course, what to do when we've arrived. We'll also be thinking about the cost of the trip, insurance and so on. So fear not because on this episode we're joined by Paul O'Kneela who is travel editor with the Irish Independent. He'll be giving some advice for those travelling abroad and we'll also be answering frequently asked questions surrounding travel insurance with the AA's very own Tony Strickland. This is a very informative episode so let's have a listen.
1: With AA Travel Insurance, we have something for everyone. We cover your trips so that you can relax. We cover medical, baggage, annual multi-trip cancellations and more. All AA Travel Insurance policies now give you access to an English-speaking GP 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. While you're abroad through the Doctor Please app, our cover for COVID-19 gives you the peace of mind you need for a stress-free return to travelling. To find out more, go to theaa.ie. AA Ireland Limited trading as AA Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
0: Paul, you're very welcome to the AA Ireland podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: My my pleasure. Thanks, Milana. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. So, look, how long have you been in this industry, and what drew you to travel writing?
2: You're asking me to go back, BC, there before COVID. <laughs> I, my my sense of time is so disrupted at the moment after the couple of years we've just had. But yeah, so I've been I've been writing and reporting on travel for oh, at least twenty years at this stage, and I kind of. I'm in a position where I straddle old worlds and new. When I started out, I was very much traveling with stuff like traveler's checks and phone cards and booking my flights in the travel agent and, you know, uh, not able to research on social media. And I've gone through that huge game changing decade or two that we've we've just had um, been reporting on the rise of online booking in Ryanair and Ryanair and traveling right throughout that through the explosion of Instagram and, and all that that's done to change the way we book and, and um, share our memories of our holidays. And then most recently, of course, this this crazy disruption of the pandemic that we've just had. And, and like everyone else, I'm just emerging from it now trying to figure out what's changed, what stayed the same. But I still love travel. I've never lost that.
0: Yeah, well, look, you've, you've been through it all and you you touched on it there that, you know, people are emerging now and they're starting to travel again. So if people were looking to go abroad, but they really weren't sure as to where to go or they're just confused and they need a bit of advice, I suppose that's that's why you're here today. You have some top city breaks that you're going to talk to me about. So I suppose we'll start yeah. with the UK, Edinburgh, yeah. London. Do you want to talk about those?
2: Yeah, of course I can. But before I, I jump into those, I'll just give you a, qu- a quick general pointer. If you're listening and you have your your dates are flexible, you're in the best position. So if you're not tied to a school holiday or tied to a particular time, uh, particularly in peak season, if you can go off peak, if you can go midweek and if you can just you know, go where the flights are cheapest at a particular time, you are going to get the absolute best value for your money. But if you want to go somewhere like Barcelona or Malaga in peak season, you're going to be faced with longer queues and higher prices. So just put that out there. If you have flexibility, you're in, in the driver's driving seat at the moment with regards to travel. Um, so, yeah, the UK is, uh, I, and I just got back there. I was in London a couple of weekends ago, and it was one of those moments just walking around the city and looking at these iconic sites, Big Ben, Westminster, the Tate Modern, walking along by the Thames, where I just had that kind of, you know, that dose of electricity that you get for being overseas. You kind of, we were quite institutionalized by the pandemic. And then to get out there and explore again, you, you just remember that fizz it puts in you. And I love that. London is an expensive city. I was reminded of that when I started trying to book hotels, search, like you think Dublin's bad. London is is a couple of multiples of that. But... um, a couple of things I would tip there for anyone going first time repeat visitor, check out Borough Market. It's a gorgeous, uh, open undercover space where they have all kinds of cutting edge food. You know, there's great tacos, there's great Spanish food, great pies. Monmouth coffee is there serving some of the best coffee in the city. And I always try and take in a, a museum or a gallery when I go to uh, London. And I don't know if you're the same, but I went to the Tate Modern this time and just walked around that, that enormous industrial space and you know kind of seeing the new art from people you've never heard of and then other classics like be it Rothko or Matisse or that just side by side and it's free
0: Yeah, which is always a tonic in London I there myself recently as well it is very interesting it's great
2: yeah and and you know what right beside it uh, kind of this kind of connecting line between our pre and pandemic, our pre and post pandemic trips is the National COVID Memorial, which stretches for a kilometre along the banks of the Thames. They have just little red hearts drawn on the wall, and people who lost people to COVID can write their names in and write a little message. And it was just the simplest, most arresting kind of reminder of what we've been through. That leads along that the, the the section of the river that gets you to the Tate. So that was a lovely walk.
0: Would that be kind of top of the list for you? expenses wise. Is it one of
2: the most uh, expensive? There's uh, there's just no getting around this. Every, Like every corner you turn, <laughs> it felt like, because the exchange rate isn't particularly good at the moment. I was there at a weekend. Everybody wants to travel again. Events are back. Conferences are back. Concerts are back. Matches are back and all the rest of it. So really, look, anyone who's traveling at the moment has to have a bit of a seize the day mentality about it. And, and like, if you're, you're in the position where you have a bit of savings, well and good, but I can't tell you London is cheap. I can tell you you know, things like the, the Sir John own museum, uh, free to go to. You can look up the free attractions and all that, but you're still going to have to eat. and You're still going to have to sleep. You mentioned Edinburgh earlier there. It's it's slightly cheaper, but not as cheap as Glasgow. Glasgow is actually a really underrated city. Um, maybe we'll talk about that another time. But if you Edinburgh will be familiar to your listeners, maybe through rugby weekends, it's famous as a six Nations city. But that's another place where you can kind of find your way around with soaking in the atmosphere of the Royal Mile and the castle without spending too much it's just that once you get into the food and that um it's like everywhere else like being in dublin really the expenses started to start to ratchet up but uh, i love edinburgh i just this sense of a city that's that is layered like an onion literally if you dug down into the royal mile the secrets and the layers of history that are buried there are just extraordinary and that really comes to life in that city it's super elegant
0: and Cost wise, then between London and Edinburgh, on average, what can people expect to spend?
2: Oh, God. Well, you're catching me on the hop there. But when I was trying to book in London, um, it was very hard to find a double room, say a three star standard for under four or five hundred quid for two nights. So you I'd I'd say similar enough prices for Edinburgh. But if you can go midweek and if you can go in September, October, which are really sweet spots for travel in terms of expenses um, money.co.uk did a survey recently looking at the most expensive cities in Europe and they they did it by totting up the average price of Airbnb, bus fares, uh, a meal out with a glass of wine. And they, they, totted up the totals. I was surprised to see Edinburgh landed a little bit above London. There were some other usual suspects on the list like Oslo and Copenhagen. But can you guess what topped the list? Oh, no. Yes, Dublin.
0: Yeah, I was thinking.
2: So maybe there's a reason to, to scoot away for a weekend. Maybe you'll actually save money.
0: Maybe this podcast is going, <laughs> coming at a good time for people. So, look, we'll move on then to Spain. So you mentioned Barcelona earlier. Bilbao as yeah. well is on the list. So, could you talk me through those two places?
2: Yeah, I think these are two kind of they 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 counterpoint to each other nicely these two cities. Uh, people think of Spain and 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 cities and Barcelona is one of the first ones that come to mind and I get that it's just iconic it's it's one of those places where you're standing in a square you're standing by la barcelona at a beach um or you're in the sagrada familia gaudi's fav- famous cathedral looking up and you just feel this intoxicating sense of place like you you could not be anywhere else and you just want to be at a tapas bar and you want to eat fresh anchovies and you want to go and get a beer and walk la rambla and it's one of, it's like what we were describing there in london that sense of wow I'm in a movie set kind of a feeling that 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 adrenalizing effect of travel and um, that the downside of barcelona is that everybody else wants to do that too so you can, wherever you, you 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 try and sit or whatever you try and visit there's hordes of other tourists trying to do exactly the same thing it was a poster child for over tourism before the pandemic they actually had stopped building new hotels there and were trying to figure out how to get a, a more higher spending longer staying tourists there that would contribute more to communities Flip that to Bilbao, which is in the Basque country. and I, I went there as during the pandemic in one of the lull periods when it was safer to travel. And just I was really struck by this. Bilbao is a city that was an industrial port for the longest time in the 20th century and then in the 90s as the industry started to decline they decided to really get stuck into design and art and i don't know if you've seen the guggenheim bilbao um it's 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 a frank Gehry designed um museum that just with these shimmering titanium like scales almost like a giant fish or set of sails sitting over the river Amazing space, amazing art, uh, you know, large, huge pieces, Jeff Koons, other artists. And it's, it, they, they, they talk about now the Bilbao effect. If you build it, they will come. And tourists have come to Bilbao and around this has sprung up in other galleries. The, the Marca- Mercado de Ribiera there has gotten a whole new lease of life. It's another little space where, you know, you can walk around and smell the smells and see the pinchos and sit down and have a lovely feed it you know, two euro per pinchos, that kind of thing, or 150 for a can of beer. So it's uh, it brings that whole Basque element is in northern Spain. It's less tourists. But again, you know, this is all relative. If you go on a Saturday in July, you're going to be queuing up. But um, they're, yeah, they're two gorgeous cities. You're making me want to go back to these. I know places. you're making
0: me want to go to them <laughs> in the first place. So uh, cost wise, then between Barcelona. And Bilbao, what what on average can you expect to spend?
2: Yeah, so you're not going. These both of the, Spain is relatively speaking cheaper than the places we've been discussing. It's a broad kind of truism that Southern Europe is cheaper than Northern Europe and cheaper than the UK and Ireland. So, uh, but Barcelona, you'll pay very much pay a kind of a, a what would you call it a, a mass tourism premium in, in in peak season. So I don't know exactly how much you'll you know spend on an average per night, but I'd be definitely budgeting budgeting a couple of hundred euro a day um there but Bilbao you'll find airbnbs you'll find accommodation that are cheaper and you won't spend as much eating out and even though for somewhere like the Guggenheim you ha- you have to book in advance online these days um y- you still won't be spending as much
0: so two places then that are on kind of my bucket list are on my list I'm actually going to Lisbon soon and I want to go to Copenhagen in Denmark so Lisbon in Portugal and Copenhagen in Denmark. Can you talk me through those two places?
2: I can you have a tale of two cities there and <laughs> I can I, you probably know which one is going to be cheaper absolutely uh, Copenhagen is notoriously expensive it's you it's one of those places like Reykjavik in Iceland or like Oslo in Norway where you feel like you're hemorrhaging cash from the, the minute you get up in the morning you know you can get around it you can it's a fun thing to do in Copenhagen to rent a bike if you're into it everybody cycles there there's great cycle infrastructure and and it's it's makes it kind of cheap to get around. Um, yeah, you, you mightn't get a booking at NOMA at this stage, but you can with a little bit of research, which is probably about three hundred quid per 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 uh, person, at least that's the famous three Michelin star restaurant. But there is a, re- a restaurant called Host that I ate at that's got great new Nordic cuisine. It's it's, it's at a fraction of the price um, uh, in Norebro, which is kind of like the funky up and come. Well, it's no longer up and coming. It's totally gentrified at this stage. But kind of like uh, if Berlin has its Kreuzberg, Copenhagen has its Norebro. So definitely explore that neighborhood. You'll find really good galleries, bars, curious kind of shops you know it's a kind of place where you'll find a a really expensive gallery but next door there'll be some guy brewing his own beer or there'll be a vintage shop beside that the places you love to rummage when you're when you're overseas and um it, it, for an interesting i i don't know when you're going but at christmas time the tivoli gardens you've probably heard of them in copenhagen yes. that's the world's oldest uh and an enormous, oh, oldest amusement park. And rumor has it that they're supposed to have given Walt Disney the inspiration for certain other theme parks in the states. But the, at Christmas, they're they're just lit up like a, um, a chandelier. They're gorgeous. They have good mix of of kind of you know uh, head rush rides and then cutesy carousel and street food kind of kind of a vibe. Lisbon, then you're you're flipping to a real it, it, this, is, this is just be seeping through your 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 veins. You just sit down outside a cafe in a square with that old architecture around you, those mosaic tiles, and order a pastel donata, if I'm pronouncing that right, those the little custard tartlets. That they they a little pastry, they fill it with custard and they then just cook the top with a little blowtorch so that it's kind of it's kind of uh, caramelized on top. You eat that with a little cafe in the middle of Lisbon and then you will just get that feeling (laughs) that I'm here. I have arrived. And then you you have to try and stop at one, though. Because if you start (laughs) popping those towers,
0: you're going to end up coming back
2: about twice as heavy. But um,
0: what would I need to budget for Copenhagen and what would I need to budget for Lisbon?
2: Are you going on a weekend or or like what kind of time have you got?
0: Lisbon is a weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Copenhagen, probably I haven't anything booked, but hopefully, you know, nothing crazy because I would imagine that would have to be weekdays for it to be. Yeah. Not crazy expensive?
2: Yeah, try that. I'd love to hear back what you actually do spend versus what I'm trying to pluck out of the air here. But I, I, I'm thinking, you, you know, between... It depends on whether you're sharing room and splitting the costs, obviously, but you're going to spend at least, I'd say, two hundred a night on a hotel in Copenhagen, and then you're, you know, a typical meal out. You're you're going to be looking at hundred or so. Uh, you're gonna if you're depending on what you're drinking and so on, and it's kind of the incidentals that add up: the taxis, the the beer, uh, the street food. The shopping that you do in Copenhagen, but Lisbon, I would say I'm going to take a stab at this half to two thirds of the price okay. of Copenhagen. Yeah, I, I would say that if you do, um, there's there's a, a neighborhood in Lisbon. I just wanted to tip you before you move on called Alfama. That's like a, a real historic, old, tight knit streets, cobbles under your feet. Got the Fado bars. The Fado is the the the, the typical traditional um uh, portuguese music uh next to really hip spots next to clubs and so on it's a kind of place where you know you you can head out at nine or ten at night and suddenly look at your watch and it's 2 a.m and you're well, you're just going wow where that time go
0: and the city of love of course paris in france what can i expect to do there and again how much would i need to budget
2: you sound like you've got a good, a good year of travel coming up. <laughs> the, put it down to research. That's, that's the trick. But it's essential yes. research. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to think if I if I was going back to Paris now and I've been several times, but I haven't been since the pandemic. I'd be curious to see what uh, Notre Dame looks like. I remember there was the enormous fire there yeah. and there's this huge reconstruction project underway. One of my favourite places of Paris is the Left Bank and and Montmartre, and I know it's gotten kind of touristy, and it's kind of cheesy to say it at this time, but just again, it's a place where I, I'm brought to mind of all those the, the the writers and the artists that used to live there. I like paying through the nose, like whatever it's going to be four or five euro for a silly coffee at, at a cafe like um, the Dumago or the Cafe de Flore, and then I I like walking through. Um there's a cemetery called Père Lachaise, which is where Oscar Wilde is buried, Jim Morrison, uh, Chopin. And it's just this lovely leafy place where you have this mix of kind of, of um, Uber fans visiting these graves and this sense of culture in Paris all coming together at once. And that, you know, I, I started by saying that coffee would be expensive, but if you just spend a, a, an afternoon walking around like that, it actually doesn't, you won't end up spending that much.
0: Well, you'd spend four or five euro on a coffee in Dublin.
2: Yeah, you know that's true. It's even getting that way for takeaway coffees. We have to, we have to temper this by coming back and talking about all that's good about Dublin sometime because I'm, I'm conscious. <laughs> that I keep saying how pricey it is, but I love it. Um One other tip for you in Paris. Um, everybody talks about the Louvre and it's fantastic. But if you go there and you try and find the Mona Lisa and you're going to be at, like you're in a, f- you know, a crowd at a football stadium and she's up on the wall about 20 metres ahead of you and you're wondering what all the fuss is about. But there's another gallery called the Musée d'Orsay. Now you will have to book this in advance as well, but it's much smaller. It's full of uh, kind of um, impressionist, Art Degas, Monet, um uh, Gauguin, people like that, that uh, Vincent van Gogh, real pieces that you'll know that you'll have seen as people's screensavers or on calendars and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just great to see that stuff in the in the flesh and stand up close and look at the brush strokes. And um, so Musée d'Orsay, that's my, my favorite gallery in Paris.
0: And Germany, then you've been there recently?
2: I have been to Germany. Um Berlin is like uh, apart from maybe say January, February, when the wind would just catch you, like it is is freezing at that time of year. But it's just an epic city. It's probably of all the places we've discussed, it's one of the best value. Although it is it is getting more expensive simply by by dint of the fact that it's so big. Great place for if you're into sort of politics into into. 20th century history of Europe, obviously, you have stuff like the Brandenburg Gate and, and the East Side Gallery, which is all the graffiti on the Berlin Wall, um, Checkpoint Charlie and on all that stuff. They even have a, a DD or or the, as they pronounce it, Day Day Air Museum that that takes you right back into what it would have been like living in the old East Germany, including one living room set up where they have actually tried to replicate the authentic smell of an old East German living room. So that's not creepy smell. <laughs> it's more like it's the scent of the materials and the food and all that that would have been around. So that, that's pretty cool. And But the most recent city I was into, I, I visited in Germany was Cologne. I had never been before, I, it was one where people kind of turned their heads and went, Cologne? Why? Why not, you know, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Berlin and all that. But I went for the Christmas markets, which are just gorgeous and cute and and tasty, as you'd imagine. If you can book those in late November, early December, actually now would probably be a smart time to do that. But um, I like Cologne. It kind of reminded me of it was like Germany's Cork. It had a touch of Second City Syndrome, underdog spirit. Uh, but it was loosey goosey, good food, a kind of a, a, a lefty atmosphere. The Belgian Quarter is a lovely place to visit there, and of course, in the centre of it all is the, the 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 icon. People probably still remember is the Cologne Cathedral with its Batman like twin towers. Yes. Um, I got about, I was trying to climb up to the top for a view of the city, but the the older I get, the worse I am with heights. I had to start (laughs) creeping back down after about 70 meters because, you know, those old stone spiraling, staircases where when you come to pass someone, you have to back up against the wall.
0: <laughs> that's a no-no yeah. no for me.
2: But there you go. Two, two, two class cities in Germany there.
0: And just uh, finally, budget-wise for Germany, Berlin, Cologne, what can we expect to spend there?
2: Uh, so you're uh, going to do okay in those cities again with my... my, I, I'm, I'm like a broken record talking about going off peak and midweek and all that if you can. But that's important. Even if you can... Yeah, even if you can kind of come back on a Monday rather than a Sunday when everyone else is traveling back, just that kind of working around the fringes of of demand rather than just saying, okay, we're going out Friday and we're coming back Sunday. And um, but Germany, you're, uh, I, I guess you could visit Berlin and you could spend a fortune, or you could stay in a hostel and you could eat, you know, get currywursts on the street and you could and and go clubbing and you wouldn't spend that much money, but. Um, it's it's definitely where they will sit let me put it this way without giving you a, like a pinning myself to it or and being hung on a particular figure they will sit very much below ireland below scandinavia but just slightly above um, the the sort of the, 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 the cities we were speaking about in Portugal and Spain, particularly the cities that are a little more off radar.
0: OK, <laughs> look, we'll leave it at that. You know, I really appreciate you coming on. You've lots of very useful advice that I'm sure people will find very helpful when they're looking for places to go. So thank you so much again for joining us on the A.A. Ireland podcast.
2: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Anna, and safe travels.
0: So that was my interview with Paul. Now we'll have a listen to my interview with Tony. Okay, Tony, thanks for joining us on the A.A. Ireland podcast.
3: Yeah, thanks, Anna. Glad to be here.
0: So more and more people are back travelling again. And we do know that while booking their trip or while travelling, questions or queries might arise. So basically, that's why you're here, because as an A.A. travel product executive, you're going to help answer some of these. So... Let's begin. We received queries from our social media channels, so I might just run through a few of those with you and we'll see what you
3: think. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect.
0: So I suppose the easiest one to kind of start off with is the different types of cover that AA provides. Can you talk a bit about that?
3: Yeah, so um, in terms of cover type, we we have annual multi-trip policies, which as the name suggests, is a year-long policy, covers you for as many trips as you take throughout the year and is then renewable at the end of of the year and going into future years. Um, Single-trip cover, so for a specific um, trip abroad, you, you specify your destination and the time you'll be away and it covers you for that one specific trip. Or we have um, backpacker policies. So backpacker policies, again, you you can define how long you're going to be away, up to 365 days, and it'll cover you for the likes of a backpacker, multiple country type type journey. Within them, there's three cover levels. So we have value, essentials and extra policies. So the level of benefits and the premiums for them policies will vary then depending on the cover that you need. So you can always make sure that you're getting the right level of cover for you, but for the right price that suits you as well.
0: And you can obviously talk to... An agent, you know, call them up and and discuss this with them. Would that be the easiest thing to do, or would uh, going online and doing it be the easiest?
3: Yeah, I think the the online journey is the easiest. We we have a good okay. um, good amount of information in there on the landing page, but our contact center is always open if a customer needs to um to call in and and discuss anything. So um, operating hours nine till six Monday to Friday, um, ten till three on a Saturday as well. So there is agents there if it needs to be.
0: Perfect. And if you were or if you are an AA member, are there benefits?
3: There would be benefits for the extra level of cover. So that would be our highest level of benefits um, as standard. But for an AA member, there's certain elements that get elevated again. So in terms of emergency medical expenses, the policy um, under the extra level of cover would have £10 million worth of cover for emergency medical expenses. As an AA member, that would be unlimited but we would also have um, an excess-free policy as well for AA members um, under that level of cover.
0: Perfect. And another question actually that we got um, about travel insurance, does it meet visa requirements?
3: So in terms of visa requirements, the, the minimum cover that you can get for mer- uh, emergency medical expenses is going to be up to €3 million, euro, and that's on our value policy. Um, that then goes up in stages to €5 million euro for essentials and €10 million euro for extra. Um You just need to make sure that that's suitable in line with your visa requirements and that your travel policy is going to be in place for the entirety of your um, stay abroad. Um, When you buy the policy with us, we'll send you out your document pack. Um, So if needs be, you can present your insurance documents with your visa application and there's a table of benefits included there as well. So it outlines the levels of cover you have if you need to present that to the um, visa officer.
0: Does a travel insurance include... COVID-19 cover and what benefits as well does that give?
3: So yeah all policy, so all levels of cover with the AA include coverage for COVID-19 so it's as long as you don't travel against the advice of the Department of Foreign Affairs the, the cover will apply and it will cover to the same level as any other claim that you would need to make so for example if you need to cancel your policy due to isolating or having a positive test you're you're covered for cancellation you'll be covered for uh, emergency medical cover abroad if you um, if you do contract COVID while abroad you're covered to curtail the trip so if you need to cut your trip short while abroad due to the DFA or a government body from the country you're in advising to travel back to Ireland you can reclaim any lost costs for that or if you contract COVID-19 abroad and you have to extend your stay until you're getting a negative test, you can claim for extra accommodation.
0: And the new Doctor Please app then, um, so what is it basically and what benefits does that include?
3: Yes, yeah, so we're really happy to have launched this one. It's a, a new benefit for all of our customers, whether new business or renewing customers from the 1st of June. And it gives the customer access to a virtual doctor while they're abroad. It's, it's through an app called Doctor Please so when the customer sets up or renews a policy from the 1st of June, we will send a link to download the app and an access code to register. When the app is set up, the customer can then arrange a consultation with an English-speaking GP 24-7 at a time that's convenient for the customer. So um, it avoids the, the likes of waiting in a waiting room for a GP for a minor um, medical issue that you might have abroad. You can continue to enjoy your holiday and then take your call when, when you have it scheduled. And... Um, once your consultation is complete, if there's any follow-up required, the doctor can recommend um, how to proceed. If there's a pr- prescription required, um, the doctor can either send that directly to the customer via email or can send it directly to a pharmacy at the customer's choice so the customer can go and pick up the prescription there. So um, it's a really, really nice benefit to have included. We're, we're delighted to have gotten that included as part of our travel policy.
0: Brilliant. So let's talk about then partaking in activities while you're abroad and in the unfortunate Case that something goes wrong. Activities like riding a scooter are they covered in a annual essential travel insurance? For yeah. example,
3: yeah. So you would be covered. Um, it depends on the vehicle that you're um, you're in as well. So okay. Um, the vehicle needs to be less than 125 cc's to be covered, and and your coverage um, is for emergency medical cover. So for example, if there was um, an accident, the cover applies to you only. It doesn't apply to a third party. Um, and there'd also be no cover for the vehicle itself or any personal possessions that may be in the vehicle um that you're that you're in.
0: And you know, if you had single trip coverage and you went skiing and you got injured, you know, what would be the process there?
3: So um, winter sports cover is something that can be added to a travel policy um, at the point of purchase. So you'd be able to um, complete your quote online and you're then offered optional extras. And one of the optional extras included would be um, winter sports cover, um, which you can add then for um, both single trip and on our annual multi-trip policies. Um, If, of course, you you add it to annual multi-trip when you fall due for renewal, that will then carry through into your next year's insurance and be included in your renewal price.
0: OK, and do you cover pre-existing illness? That was another question we got.
3: So pre-existing illness, there is cover available for it, but it doesn't come as standard on the policy. So um, once you set up your policy with us, we would then direct you to call our medical screening line and um, they would then take the details of the illness and be able to provide you a quote for a separate premium to specifically cover that pre-existing Ill- illness as part of your policy. OK, Um what I would say is that there is a very comprehensive list of what would be classed as um, waived conditions. So um, that's available as part of our journey when, when you're looking at the um, medical conditions section. You, you can see a list of waived conditions. And So
0: that's online, is it?
3: That's it, yeah, online as part of the journey. And um, you'll be able to see whether or not you have a condition that does need to be declared um, and, and then obviously pay additional premium if you need to cover for it.
0: Another question, if I'm going away for the weekend in the Republic of Ireland, am I covered under my travel insurance?
3: Yeah, so trips solely within the Republic of Ireland are covered. Um, it's on the basis that you've booked, or sorry, pre-booked at least two nights accommodation. Um, the level of cover is the same as it would be as, as any travel or any trip that you take. Um, so it's um, subject to the same definitions, the terms and conditions and exclusions of the policy booklet.
0: Do... Another question. Do I need to have general health insurance to book travel insurance with AA?
3: So it's not a requirement to have a general health insurance policy in place to buy a travel insurance policy, but if there is a private health insurance policy that covers all um all travellers under the policy um, for €55,000 or more you'd actually be able to avail of a discount um, so when you're going through the journey if you fall into that category you can select that you have the private health insurance and um, you'll get a discount right on your travel price
0: and if someone is pregnant and they want to travel are they covered?
3: yeah so the travel policy does cover you while pregnant as long as you're not um, travelling against the advice of um, a medical practitioner and um, it's important to note as well that some airlines, um, ferry companies, and um, cruise ships, they'll have their own health and safety requirements as well. So, not only um, making sure you have your travel insurance in place, it, it's important to check ahead to make sure that you're not going to be outside of health and safety requirements for um, any mode of transport that you're going to take.
0: OK, so finally, are children who are under 18, are they covered to travel with school or you know club trips?
3: So under the AA travel insurance policies, uh, a child under 18 is only going to be covered if they're travelling with a parent or a legal guardian. Um, I know you mentioned school and club trips. It's important to note as well that a child under 18 who was travelling with a grandparent, um, again, is only covered if the grandparent is deemed the legal guardian of the child. Um, it's, it's a question we do see coming through quite a lot as well.
0: I do appreciate you taking the time out to speak to us on the AA Ireland podcast. Thanks very much. Well, I really enjoyed my chats with both Paul and tony so thanks to them both for coming on the podcast and i hope you found the information useful
1: you can read more about travel insurance and holidaying abroad on the aa ireland blog the aa.ie forward slash blog and you will of course find us on twitter instagram youtube facebook and tiktok please subscribe to the podcast and until next time goodbye and be safe